Time now for our In the Zone UCF report with OrlandoSentinel.com reporter Jason Beatty. A lot to get to here. Let's check in on the UCF Knights with the man on the beat, Jason Beatty from OrlandoSentinel.com. Well, Jason, that was eventful. We've got a lot to discuss here. How was your Thanksgiving weekend, first and foremost? No, I had a great Thanksgiving, and it was weird not going to Tampa on Friday. It just, uh, you know, it was nice to have Black Friday and kind of relax and take it easy after eating all that turkey. But it was strange to play on that play that watch that game on Saturday as opposed to Friday, as as the last few years had gone. But I had a good Thanksgiving with some family. So. Yeah, it did throw me off. We had Florida State, Florida that night, and now now we're gonna have to get used to all. New traditions, uh, such as the world we live in. When UCF was up twenty-eight to nothing, did you ever think that we'd be looking at a close game down the stretch, or were you already writing the victory column? Yeah, I had already begun writing at halftime when it was thirty-one to seven. Even um, I, I figured USF would score. I didn't think they'd actually come back and take the lead the way they did. I mean, props to them for not giving up. They could have easily given up. I think that says a lot about this rivalry. I mean, if they were playing Navy or Houston or Cincinnati or someone else, would they have, you know, given as much of a fight in the second half after going down by so many points? I'm not sure. Uh, you talk about a 110 team that had already fired their coach. I really think because it was the war and I four, it meant even more. And um, I, I figured they'd score a little bit, but that was a really, really surprising uh, turn of events. And, um, you know, props for UCF to, you know, not just giving up either. So it was a great game down the stretch. Was the turning point in that game as simple as John Rice Plumley exiting and the offense kind of stalling out, or do you think there was more to it than that? You know, it's interesting. You look at those back-to-back fumbles, um, you know, obviously the one with the handoff, and then I think Ryan O'Keefe actually got the ball torn out of his hands. I mean, I think those types of plays can kind of happen no matter who's at quarterback. I mean, you know, we've seen time and time again John Rice turn the ball over as well. So, um, you know, credit to USF for forcing those turnovers. I think the first one was a mistake handing the ball off and kind of mishandling that. But the second one, he just kind of flat straight up the defender tore the ball out of their hands. And they have to execute on offense, too. I mean, just because you force the turnover doesn't mean you're automatically going to score. So I think, you know, maybe they would have had more success moving the ball with John Rice Plumley in the game. And that, that, that obviously did change things. Uh, but defensively, UCF just had to play better defense. And that was um, a pretty surprising turn of events, just defensively, how good they were in the red zone for most of the year. Now, in these last couple of games, really, uh, they haven't been as strong as they had been in the past. Uh, as far as the Plumley injury, what was that officially diagnosed as? What do we know? And, and I guess most importantly, what do we know about next Saturday? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Gus said after the game that it was a hamstring injury, and if you actually watch the replay of Plumlee's second touchdown run, you can see him kind of pull up at the end. That's a typical sign for a hamstring injury of sorts. We spoke with Gus today during his weekly press conference, and Gus actually revealed that he Plumlee had been dealing with the hamstring injury for a few weeks now. I mean, obviously he's a mobile quarterback. He's run for a lot of yards, so it's, you know, injuries happen when you you know, abuse your body like that. And he's a tough kid. He's been taking hits all year long. He's been flipping in the end zone. And obviously he's going to put his body on the line to win games. And this is just another example. So, you know, Gus told us today that, you know, Plumlee's mindset is that he wants to play, but they're going to take things day by day. And, and 
you know, make the right decision, make the smart decision. They're obviously concerned about his health. That's why Mikey Keene played the second half. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if Plumlee's ready. It sounds like he had been managing this injury for a few weeks now. So um, it would be more surprising to me if he didn't play on Saturday, in my opinion. Yeah, it really just comes down to can he make it throughout the game because we saw that game against Tulane a couple of weeks ago. He really was the difference. So, um, and I've been high on Mikey Keene, but this team, when Plumlee is rolling, is a completely different animal. And that was in full effect the last time they played Tulane. Do you think he has to play all four quarters, or at least most of four quarters, for UCF to have a chance to win on Saturday? I, I think most of the game. I don't know about all four quarters. Obviously, if, if Tulane's able to put up points, you're going to need an electric quarterback like John Rice Tommy. But you look at the way... Mikey Keene has handled himself against Cincinnati and Memphis and USF. Obviously, they can win with both quarterbacks, like Gus Malzahn has said all throughout this season. They feel confident about both guys, but you said it yourself. I mean, John Rice Plumley was a difference maker in Tulane. I mean, we were curious how he would look after missing that Memphis game with the concussion, and I think it was the second play he ran for 63 or 64 yards. So you could see plays like that. Even against USF, he had one of his best games of the year. You know, over 130 rushing yards, two touchdowns. He was nine for nine passing with a touchdown pass. And uh, it's really a shame that he had to miss that, miss the rest of the game because I think Gus said after the game, he probably would have finished with 200 yards rushing or something like that, the way the game was going. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it would be a big loss if he's not able to go. But I do think uh, UCF would be able to, you know, be fine with Mikey Keene as well. You were talking to Jason Beattie from OrlandoSentinel.com talking about the Knights. Great that they pulled out the win, but I think that the game created more questions than answers about this team and maybe even the coaching staff. What was the most glaring problem in your eyes? You detailed the red zone defense as an issue. Is that top of the line? I mean, I saw some discipline, play calling. What stood out to you as far as how and why this game went sideways? I think the biggest and most glaring problem is the tackling or lack thereof. I mean, how can you get all the way down to the end of the season and during a Monday press conference, one of your top players, Jeremiah Dean Baptiste, said basically our tackling needs to get better. I mean, you, you can't get to the end of the year and struggle with tackling. I understand maybe at the beginning of the season you're, you're getting back to playing football and you're playing against a different opponent as opposed to playing each other in fall camp or whatever, but at this point in the year, tackling just can't be an issue for a championship team. I mean, that's really the biggest issue. I mean, you look at some of those runs that Byron Brown had, and he's obviously an athletic quarterback, and USF seems to have the quarterback of their future. For him to make only his second start and have a performance like that and show off his athletic ability was was impressive, but UCF just has to do a better job tackling. I mean, when you make play calls, other teams can adjust their calls, and obviously that's how the game of football works, but tackling is number one in that. You just can't be struggling with your tackling at this point in the season. Alec Holler, the catch at the end of the game, 20 seconds left on the clock. Is that top three easy all-time UCF history? Oh, easily, yeah. You know, we were talking Mike Bianchi and I is better than J.J. Wharton's catch and and whatnot, but I I think just for that to be the game-winning catch in a game that sent UCF to the conference championship in a game against your rival that could be potentially the last one ever, you know, at least, at least it is for the foreseeable future. That that catch is, is going to go down in UCF history the same way Mike Hughes' touchdown run was and some of the other great catches over the years we've seen. And, and you talk about Hale, you know, Hale Perryman against ECU and what J.J. Wharton did against Temple back, 
way back when, and now this catch you at it. I mean, look, even Javon Baker's 41-yard grab to put them in position to have that Alec Holler catch was unbelievable as well. So just Alec Holler's story, you know, former walk-on, dealt with a knee injury, earns a scholarship and under a new coaching staff, and just continues to stay uh, hungry and ready and, and put everything on the line for his team. And his story is really special, and he just continues to make plays. I mean, he, he had a pretty big first down uh, when they were playing Memphis that Terry Mahajer called the holler hop, and now we have the holy holler. So it's just a great story for him. <laughs> At the Real Beatty is how you can find him on Twitter. Constant UCF updates, videos from press conferences, a lot of good stuff. OrlandoSentinel.com for all of his UCF coverage. Thanks so much, Jason. Good stuff. We'll catch up next week. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Always great hearing from Jason Beatty on all things UCF football. Tazi's Take is back coming up next. Plus, Bianchi's Weekend Roundup. We'll talk Knowles, Gators, big-time game over the weekend with those two as well. Stay tuned.